On this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast, we are going to deep dive into how to get your best night of sleep ever with Matt Gallant. If you wake, stay awake past your target bedtime, you will get a cortisol response. And that's what people get the second win. And I used to be addicted to that. I used to love staying up till two, three, four in the morning and working on things. And I mean, that will destroy your deep sleep because again, you're getting that cortisol response. First strategy is hey, have a target bedtime. And ideally it's the same time every night. And again, sometimes you gotta travel and do things and you're gonna be disrupted. But you know, let's say it's midnight. So around again, 10, 30, start dimming the lights, cool your bedroom. Like I'll turn on the AC, I'll turn everything on. So it's like a nice, like a chill, a nice box by the time I get in there. Because again, I can, if I power through that and you can't, right? If you watch, you're binging a TV show, stimulating yourself with light, you can power through that target bedtime, get that cortisol response. And now your sleep is definitely compromised. That's a good time to use melatonin to help kind of, you know, shut your brain down and, and conk yourself out. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'm super excited to get into today's interview with Matt. Thank you for choosing us, by the way. I am super grateful you pressed play today. Matt Gallant is an author, serial entrepreneur, CEO at Bioptimizers and Newtopia. And we're going to discuss what he learned after spending $45,000 on sleep. Some of the things that worked, some of the things that was a waste of money, and a lot more into the mechanisms of what actually happens during sleep. We're going to get into what he calls the three truths about sleep. Number one, He's going to talk about why you should almost never take melatonin. He's not a big fan of it. He's more of a fan of giving you the building blocks. I kind of disagree, and we had a back and forth. He shared some research. I shared some of mine and some of my experience. Uh, but we do talk about melatonin and why for some people, they do have a genetic SNP, which actually makes them have worse sleep and actually keeps them awake. Sometimes it makes people feel groggy. And so what is the solution? How do you give your body the building blocks and how not just the building blocks in terms of supplementation, but what can you do throughout the day to signal to your body to produce more melatonin at night and less cortisol? We both agree that a great night of sleep starts the morning of that day. And we'll talk about the importance of getting sunshine through your eyes, on your skin, in the morning, even on an overcast day. We'll talk about why more sleep is not the best remedy for energy. It's not about getting more sleep or saying, oh, I'm fine, I, I sleep eight hours a night. It's about the quality 
it's very crucial to focus on the quality of sleep versus the quantity. That brings us to a conversation we get into surrounding stage four delta sleep, also called deep sleep, and all the amazing things that happen during that process and why that typically happens during the first half of the night. And then we get into REM sleep, rapid eye movement, what that does for mental clarity, for short-term memory, long-term memory, and how to biohack both of them, how to track them. We'll talk about the aura ring. We'll talk about the optimal numbers to hit for REM and deep every night. And then we get into some of his favorite, most effective ways to fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Before we get into the solutions of sleep, we discuss why lack of sleep is problematic and how it interferes with weight loss, how it creates disease, and how just a study that showed five hours of sleep or less, seven days in a row, and healthy individuals cause them to have blood sugar levels that would mimic somebody who's pre-diabetic. Okay, so we're going to first get into sleep disruptors and the problem with people not getting enough sleep. And then we're going to deep dive into so many great solutions. So if you have trouble sleeping, whether it's falling asleep, staying asleep, or you just feel uh, exhausted when you wake up, you don't feel well rested, this is for you. Or if you feel like your sleep is good, but you want to really optimize it and take it to a new level, this is also for you. I love talking about sleep. Matt is such a knowledgeable guy. I, I really like him a lot, and I think you're going to love this episode today. We're also going to get into their latest product called Sleep Breakthrough. Sleep Breakthrough is a product I've been using pretty much every night, and um, it tastes good. First and foremost, you add it to water, but I love the research that went on, the thought process that went on into putting the ingredients into this product, and he'll talk about each ingredient and what it specifically does to help you get better sleep. And they also hooked you all up with a 10% off coupon code for this product. If you want to give it a try, it is sleepbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp. And the coupon code is ketocamp10. We'll drop that link down below and we'll talk about it later. Before I bring them on, I want to acknowledge the Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This review comes from J.A. Kizzy, titled Life Changer. Five stars. Listening to Ben every day will improve your physical health and your mental health. He is knowledgeable and his information can be trusted. That's not easy to come by. His circle of people, including Dr. Mindy Pels, Cynthia Thurlow, and Dr. Pampa, all lift, support, share with each other and their audiences. There is never a feeling of scarcity when it comes to their knowledge or having to one up. Such a fantastic community to be a part of, and Ben is a big hitter with the functional medical people. Jay Kizzy, J.A. Kizzy, thank you so much. Um, those names you mentioned, I love those individuals so much. Cynthia, Thurlow, Mindy, Pals, Dr. Pampa. And I so appreciate you trusting uh, the information that we put out on the podcast and you showing up and listening. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. We'll continue to serve. We'll continue to release three to four episodes, brand new episodes every week. That's how committed we are. If you are enjoying the Keto Camp Podcast and you have not yet left us a rating and review, I just want to inspire you to do so right now. It really does help. Ratings and reviews are the lifelines of podcasts. And I'm not asking you to pay anything. I'm not asking you to lie about your review. Please leave an honest rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from. And that's going to tell the algorithm that people are listening, people are downloading it. And it's going to just show it to more people so we could get this 
incredible information out there and essentially change more lives. So I encourage you to hit pause and scroll down on your app or wherever you're listening from and go to the rating and review section and please leave that rating and review. And maybe I will give you a nice shout out and uh, an, an acknowledgement on the next episode if I read your review. All right, let's talk about sleep with Matt Gallant. Matt has been on the Keto Camp podcast before with his business partner, Wade Lightheart, who I also love, and they're both doing incredible work. So if you haven't listened to the interviews in the past, that would be interview 207 with Wade and Matt, and then episode 164 with Wade Lightheart. Matt Gallant is the CEO of Bioptimizers, and he has a bachelor's degree in kinesiology. He has been a strength and conditioning coach for multiple pro athletes, a self-defense instructor, and has over 10 years of experience formulating products. Matt runs Bioptimizers with Wade Lightheart, the president and former three-time Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. Wade and Matt are known fondly as the We Fix Digestion guys. They've served more than 50,000 customers over 15 years of business, helping people find natural solutions for difficult digestive problems. And today, we talk about sleep. Here is Matt. Hey, Matt. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. So Matt has been on the show before. If you're a listener, longtime listener of the Keto Camp Podcast, you're on with Wade, your business partner, back in episode 207. And we also had Wade way back in episode 164. So this is your second time on the show. And I'm a big fan of Bioptimizers and Newtopia and all the great research and products that you guys have developed. In fact, you're actually a sponsor of, of the show, which is a perfect dynamic here. Um, and we're going to talk about something that is fundamental, and that is sleep. I always say if you could be doing keto perfectly, exercising perfectly, fasting perfectly, but if your sleep is not optimized, good luck getting the results you want. So Matt, you sent me a slide deck with incredible research on why sleep is so important. I'd love for you to explain the benefits of quality sleep and why we want to emphasize getting quality sleep starting tonight. First of all, if you have one bad night of sleep, the, the impact is immediate. Let's start with the brain. Your hippocampus, which stores your memories, and it's obviously a big part of your emotions, will get immediately compromised. And I had dinner with a good friend of mine on Sunday, and he told me that his short-term memory was shot. My first question was, how much sleep are you getting? He was getting three to four hours, and he's got some CTE, unfortunately, for some military situations, and where I gave him some sleep breakthroughs. He sent me an audio this morning and said he had the best sleep in a long, long time. So... Yeah, you know, I think sleep is so key for that. Um, if you have one bad night of sleep, you will literally be creating DNA damage. You will be triggering epigenetic changes that are really potentially negative, including the ones that are involved in tumor creation, cancer creation. For anybody who wants to lose body fat, there was a great research done with two groups. One was sleeping five and a half hours. The other group was sleeping eight and a half hours. The five and a half hour group was losing 50% of their weight as lean muscle mass. And, you know, when I have helped a lot of people lose a lot of body fat, including my best friend lose 191 pounds. And I think the most important thing or one of the most important things is when you're trying to lose body fat, you want to try to preserve 
as much lean muscle mass as possible. So to put that in perspective, let's say somebody wants to lose 30 pounds of body fat. If 50% of the weight loss is lean muscle mass, they would have to lose 50, 60 pounds in order to achieve their goals. They're not going to look good. They're going to have that skinny fat look. And you know, lean muscle mass is critical for glucose absorption, for health, for strength, and all these really important health benefits. So you know, even though people don't want to look like a bodybuilder, preserving lean muscle mass is critical. I was talking to a pro athlete recently. We were talking about sleep, and he told me that he was using a CGM and had really a one bad night of sleep. The next day, he looked like a pre-diabetic. So the impact on your ability to process glucose is immediately significant. Also, your ghrelin will go up about 28%, which means your cravings and your ability to control cravings will be severely compromised. So if anybody's in a dietary weight loss phase, a lean muscle mass building phase, it doesn't really matter. Great sleep is absolutely critical. And, you know, one of the scarier stats is about 47% of people have fallen asleep at the wheel in the last month. And here's one more shocking stat. The difference between the heart attack rates during daylight savings time from the, when people gain an hour versus when they lose is 45%. So the, the impact's immediate. And then when you look at the longevity data, people that sleep, you know, six and a half hours or less, or people that sleep over 10 hours will live shorter lives. And of course, I think it's very different mechanisms. And one of the things that I've seen with myself and clients is that as they get healthier, they typically need a little bit less sleep. So they might go from needing eight and a half to eight to even maybe seven and a half or seven. And, you know, what I've really learned over time is that sleep quality is the most important thing. Like I used to sleep eight, nine hours a night, but my sleep quality was absolute garbage. I'd wake up feeling dehydrated, feeling groggy. And, you know, I learned the hard way that I needed to optimize my sleep. Yeah. So let's talk about that. When we talk about sleep quality, what are some ways to quantify that? Are we looking at how much deep sleep we're getting, how much REM sleep we're getting versus light versus just laying in bed? Uh, what are what are the optimal ranges to hit for that? Because it doesn't matter really if somebody's doing nine hours or seven hours. What, what is probably more important is how much of that is deep in REM sleep. Is that Would, would you look at that more importantly? I think so. Like I, Again, I, I feel much better sleeping seven with the numbers I'm hitting now on deep and REM compared to when I was sleeping nine and getting zero to 15 minutes of deep sleep. So yeah, let's just cover kind of the architecture of sleep. When you fall asleep, if you have melatonin present, you're going to trigger a hormonal cascade that will pull you into deep sleep. And that's where there's a lot of the hormonal magic, the anti-aging, the fat loss magic, the although a lot of the growth hormone production happens during that time. So it's really critical that we naturally trigger melatonin. And we can talk a little bit about melatonin later. So I would say about 90 minutes of deep sleep is a really good target. Typically, people get 90 minutes of deep sleep, they're going to feel awesome the next day, they're gonna have great workout, their bodies are gonna feel strong, rejuvenated and ready for the day. The REM sleep is where there's a lot of emotional processing, memory consolidation, neurotransmitter production. So it's really where the brain rejuvenation is occurring. And again, I'm just generalizing because uh, you know there's a lot of crossover. But in general, you want about 90 minutes of deep and two to three hours of REM. If you're getting those numbers, you will feel really good the next day. So when, and typically you're going to get more deep 
first half of the night and then REM the second half of the night. So what are some ways we can optimize our environment to kind of assist with those numbers? Yeah, so there's some really key sleep disruptors that if you just eliminate these, you're going to get better sleep. Let's start with light. And light is free for the most part. And really, light starts in the morning. And again, credit to Andrew Huberman for really driving home the importance of getting light in our eyes early in the day, because that sets and starts the circadian clock. And what happens is about 14 to 16 hours later, you're going to feel like going to bed. And if you're not managing light properly, your whole circadian clock is going to be disrupted. And I think you know, it's one of the unintended consequences of modern technology. We've got lighting, we've got phones, we've got TVs. And if people are not managing those things, their sleep's going to be disrupted. So the second component of light is managing darkness. And that really starts about 90 minutes before your target bedtime. So there's a lot of strategies there. One is you can dim all the lights in your house or turn them off. Or I've heard people use salt lamps, which is a great strategy. You could have a salt lamp with a dimmer and just kind of create some ambient lighting so you can see where you're going. Second strategy is you can use red light bulbs. That helps as well. So some people will put on some red light bulbs, turn those on. And the third strategy is blue light blocking glasses. So pick one of these and try to manage darkness, again, about 90 minutes before your target bedtime. And why is that so important? Because light will destroy melatonin almost in real time. So if you're just you know hitting your brain with light, 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 your brain doesn't start downshifting and preparing for sleep. I mean, if you if you're in a really dark room and you're managing light, you're naturally going to start yawning and wanting to go to bed. Whereas if you're blasting your eyes with light constantly, you might not feel tired. And that's something that used to be a major problem for me. And the last piece of light is while you're sleeping, you want to be in an absolute pitch black environment where you literally cannot see your hand. So I have two layers of blackout curtains. So just, and again, I live in a city, so a lot of light around me if I don't do that. And for a long time, I used to use sleep masks. And sleep masks are... I'd say maybe better than nothing if you have a lot of light. But the problem is your skin has photoreceptors and the, the research shows that melatonin production will be disrupted even with the sleep mask if light's hitting your skin. So those are the three elements of light. And again, it's something that most of us can do. If you do that consistently, you're going to notice much better sleep. The second big one is temperature. So when I was sleeping eight, nine hours and getting zero to 15 minutes of deep sleep, the main disruptor for me was heat. Now, I live in Panama. It's a hot climate. So I had AC on. The problem was I was overheating underneath the sheets. So if you have a fast metabolism, if you're, you know, you have a lot of lean muscle mass, if you're a woman in premenopause or menopause and you're getting temperature spikes, I think it's critical to invest in some form of chilling technology that you can use underneath the sheets. I'm a big fan of the chili pad. Some people use the eight sleep or sleep eight. I haven't used that one, but I know a lot of people love those. And that's been transformational. Like, I mean, when I travel, the biggest disruptor of sleep is definitely heat. Like I'll wake up two or three times because I'm overheating underneath the sheets. So what happens is he's just getting trapped between your body and the mattress. The next one is blood flow constriction. So blood flow constriction will cause you to toss and turn while you're sleeping. And this is more important for side sleepers. So let's talk about sleep position. The best sleep position is on your back. 
for a couple of reasons. One, you're getting a natural spinal adjustment. And second, you're spreading out the pressure more evenly. You got more surface area on the mattress. But for those of us that are size sleeper like myself, you need to sink into the mattress so that you're getting a more even distribution of the weight from your head down to your toes. And the best form of mattress for that is a memory foam. I'm a huge fan of Essentia. It's a Canadian company. They use a tree sap for producing the, the, the foam elements because a lot of the memory foam mattresses will off gas for, for several months. So a big fan of their, their mattresses. Here are some pro tips on selecting your mattress. If you're a heavier person or shorter, then you need a softer mattress. You need to sink in more to evenly distribute the weight. If you're taller and lighter, then you can go with a denser mattress. Also, if you're wider, you need to sink in more. So if you're a guy that works out, you got wider shoulders, or if you're a woman with wider hips and, and bigger legs, then you also need a softer mattress. So those are the parameters. And again, my mattress used to suck and I used to overheat and I wasn't managing light and all of those things destroyed my deep sleep. The next one is a full belly. So one thing that I've seen universally is if people eat a large meal, I would say anytime like two to three hours before bed, their sleep's going to be disrupted. We've heard for a long time, by we, you know, we sell the strongest proteolytic enzymes on the market, that when people used mastimes, they would actually get better sleep. And we didn't understand the mechanism. And I think the mechanism is that it's helping process any food that's in their digestive tract and they're sleeping better as a result. So ideally, you're not eating like three or four hours before bed. Some people have told me like they even get better sleep if they don't eat for five hours before bed. There's a couple of things you can eat, though, that will improve your sleep. One is the right amino acids, things like L-theanine and glycine. We'll, we'll get into those. But the other one, which I know we're on a keto podcast here, so hopefully this is not blasphemy, but if you eat about 5 to 10 grams of sugar, of carbohydrates, that will spike your serotonin a little bit, and you'll typically get better sleep. So I've heard a lot of people do a, a teaspoon of honey, I like doing sometimes like half a cup of fruits right before bed. And typically, you will boost your serotonin and get better sleep. Why? Because serotonin is a precursor. It's a building block for melatonin. So anything you can do to increase your serotonin will improve your sleep. So that's another big one. Probably one of the most common ones for insomniacs is they cannot slow down their brain waves. And if you look at the research on insomniacs, they have hyperactive beta brainwave activity. I've done about eight weeks of neurofeedback and you know you learn to kind of control your brainwaves. So for people that have never done that, there's a couple of things you can do. One is like any form of meditation or mindfulness practice and taking a hot bath, anything you can do that relaxes you before bed will help slow down your brainwaves. A couple of molecules you can take that will also help. One is L-theanine. It increases alpha brainwaves. And the other one's GABA. So we're big fans of pharma GABA. GABA will also increase alpha brainwaves. So you're trying to manage your cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline. Obviously, if you're watching some intense TV show or movie, if you're playing video games, if you're in a, you know, on the OCD, social media feedback loop, all of those things will tend to increase dopamine, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and can disrupt sleep. So trying to manage, again, darkness and stimulation in, in any form before bed is a really good strategy. 
those are all really fantastic tips. So, you know, pick and choose each one. But I, I would say start with the morning routine, right? A good night of sleep, as you mentioned, starts the morning of. Take off the sunglasses, go for a nice walk outside, whether it's overcast or not. Let the sun go through your retina and touch your skin. I, I remember um, a friend of mine, Dr. John Laurence, he uh, has come on my podcast several times and we were having dinner together and he was sharing with me, he has a book called uh, Melatonin Miracle Molecule and all the amazing benefits of melatonin. And he was sharing with me, when you get morning sunlight, it signals to your pineal gland to start storing melatonin for the night up ahead. And then when you combine that with looking at the sunset light, uh, then it signals to your melatonin to start releasing that and getting ready for bed. And that's a free little tip that we can do there. And for me, same thing. My environment is super cold. Uh, I'm in Miami, of course, but I'll set my thermostat to 63 degrees Fahrenheit. I have a chili pad. I set that to 56 degrees Fahrenheit. I got blackout curtains. I've got the organics bed. So my situation is optimized. I'm getting about two hours of deep, a little over two hours of REM on a consistent basis. And when I don't optimize my sleep environment, like when I'm traveling for whatever reason, man, it takes me off my game like nothing else. I could eat like crap or not exercise, but if I get one bad night of sleep, it's just I'm not on my A game, to, to your point with those studies. So a lot of tips there. And I know you've spent, what, $45,000 like trying to figure this all out? Yeah, yeah. Again, when so just to rewind back to when I was gaining zero to 15 minutes of deep sleep. It also correlated with my testosterone being in the low 200s, highest body fat reading I ever had on a DEXA scan, and just realizing that the number one thing I could invest in was sleep. So I tend to get a little bit intense and obsessive, and I, and I did that with sleep. And I think something to realize, no matter what your goals are with your health and fitness, is that when you start combining things and stacking things, you will compound the results. You will synergize things. And that's what I saw with my sleep, you know, starting with you know, blackout curtains and chili pads and $10,000 custom-made mattress. And I sleep in a Faraday cage. So all of these things improved my sleep 5, 10, 20%. And you're stacking these things. And that's true no matter what your goals are, whether it's fat loss or lean muscle mass. Like, you know, try to combine different things and you'll get way better results. I can talk about some of the other things that I did and some of the stuff that did not work. Um, so again, I'm in a penthouse and I see a bunch of different Wi-Fis. So I thought that maybe a Faraday cage and a Faraday cage helps block EMF signals. So I literally sleep in a silver cage. Um, it looks kind of cool. It looks like a mosquito net. And that did not improve my sleep. And you know, one thing I've realized about EMF is that proximity is the most important thing. And I guess we're all getting exposed by EMF all the time. But if you're right next to a Wi-Fi router, it's going to hit you exponentially harder than if it's in a different room and you got cement walls. I mean, where I live, it's all cement. Um, one thing I noticed with the Aura Ring is I tried many times to sleep with it on airplane mode versus not airplane mode. And I definitely noticed that having the Bluetooth signal on seemed to impact my sleep. And it makes sense directly on the skin. One thing that was really an epic fail, and I would say I certainly burned a lot of money uh, in terms of sleep improvement, was PEMF devices. So PEMF devices are technologies that will emit radio waves, magnetic waves, all kinds of different types of waves, and will impact your body. And I tried the Beamer, the Earth Pulse, all kinds of different PMFs, and it was really hit and miss. Sometimes I felt it improved it, and other times it was really disruptive, and I felt completely drained and exhausted the next day. So I don't advise 
using PMF devices for sleep. I think they're good devices for other things, but not for sleep, including there was some really fascinating technology that came out of DARPA, which is they do a lot of military research. And what they were doing was they were tracking people's frequencies as they slept. And when people hit delta, which is stage four deep sleep, they would pulse these delta waves to increase the amplitude of delta waves. And what they found was people were learning better. So there was a company called Dream, D-R-E-E-M, and also Philips released a, a their own version of it. And the idea was it would track your sleep and then when you hit stage four, it would start pulsing these delta waves to try to increase the amplitude of them. And again, it was hit and miss. Like sometimes I felt incredible the next day and then other times I felt drained. So yeah, I don't really advise uh, using those in general. Some other tips, uh, you can elevate the head of your bed a few degrees, like you know, from four to seven degrees. That really helps. If anybody's getting GERD, like heartburn, it seems to really help with that. And some people believe that can help with the brain cleaning process that's happening as you're sleeping. So one I'm a big fan of is weighted blankets. I'm from Canada. So as a kid, in the winter, we used to sleep with five or six blankets on top of us because it was really cold at night. And I used to love that feeling. I think it's that feeling of being cradled. And I think it also helps you minimize tossing and turning. My favorite brand for that is called Sunday Citizen. They have these really good weighted blankets that have quartz crystals in it. And I would recommend using, again, a heavier weight. I'm a big fan of those. So those are all little things that you can do. And in my opinion, anything you can do to help improve sleep helps. And probably other than darkness and a good mattress and cold, the next major bucket is sleep molecules. Like giving your body all of the things that it requires to produce melatonin, to relax your nervous system, to slow down your heart rate will improve sleep. And that's where I spent a lot of time and energy and money on. Yeah, and I want to transition there in a minute. But uh, going back to your experiments, I love that you experiment with so many different things. I, I have two. And I also have a PEMF mat from a higher dose. I haven't seen it raise my deep sleep either. But what I have seen it do for me is raise my heart rate variability when I use it consistently. If I use it for like an hour, uh, I'll see it bump up the HRV. Did you see that at all? Or, or just no sleep benefits at all? No. No, I did not. You didn't but again, see I'm a that. fan of PMFs. Like I, I tore my Achilles tendon, had reconstructive surgery about 18 months ago, and the Beamer was incredible for healing. I literally felt feel the blood flow rushing in, and I was able to heal in half the time. I was taking 60 capsules of Masszymes a day, and there's some really incredible research on proteolytic enzymes cutting recovery time in half for all kinds of injuries. And I was doing like a vial of BPC-157 and TB-500. These are healing peptides. So yeah, I think PMF devices have their place. I've used them quite a bit and I'm a fan. But again, for sleep, I just haven't found anything that worked for me. Hey, I want to take a brief minute to share something with you. For many years, I used to take fish oil and recommend it. And I see a lot of people in the keto space overdoing it with fish oil. There are several reasons why. I am not a fan of fish oil and why I stopped recommending it to all of my clients several years ago. Number one, 83% of fish oil is expected to be rancid on the shelf before you even consume it. There was also an experiment done. This study was called the Iowa Screening Experiment. This study showed it took 18 weeks to reverse the negative effect of the incorporation of EPA and DHA from fish oil into the cell membrane. Another study 
found that fish oil increased the risk of colon cancer in mice. Here's the quote. We found that mice developed deadly late-stage colon cancer when given high doses of fish oil. More importantly, with the increased inflammation, it only took four weeks for the tumors to develop. Simply put, I stopped taking it. I stopped recommending it. I use a plant-based omega from Pureform. This supplement is nitrogen-infused, which preserves and protects it. It has the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3, and most importantly, it gives you the derivatives, the building blocks, they're called parent essential oils, for you to produce your own EPA and DHA. If you wanna learn more about Pureform, head over to purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4, that is B-E-N, the number four, at checkout, and you'll get $4 off your capsules of Pureform. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's go back to this episode. What are your thoughts on um, having an alarm clock to wake up? I, I don't use one. I, I actually use a sun simulation lamp that kind of lights up and plays like music quietly and wakes me up slowly. But what about somebody who has an, an alarm because they have to go to work or for whatever reason? Are you? What are some ways to optimize that wake up schedule? I love that question. And I think what you're doing is the best way. I think that... Again, we're, we're wired genetically to wake up with light. And of course, if anybody's not using blackout curtains and the sunlight's coming in, and some people like that. Some people, I've talked to a lot of people about sleep and a lot of people actually, you know, obviously they're not living in a city, but they're living maybe in the countryside. It's naturally dark and they love having the sunlight naturally wake them up. So I think that's a much more pleasant experience. Also, a lot of these sleep chilling technologies have programs which will bump up the temperature as you're getting closer to wake up time. So I think raising temperature, light are really good ways and better ways than just being jarred awake with a some form of alarm. So I think what you're doing is, is the optimal way to do it. Yeah, that's ideal. So if you have to wake up early because you have to get somewhere, uh, there are sun simulation lamps on Amazon. They're all over the place. But I know the Chili Pad, the, the latest version of the Chili Pad, I forget what it's called, has that feature where you could actually adjust the temperature second half to get a little bit warmer, which is actually better for REM sleep. And then it actually helps you wake up. So there's different ways to optimize that. I, I have some questions here regarding the three truths about sleep. And we might disagree here. I don't know, but maybe you'll convince me. But you wrote that you should almost never take melatonin. And I want to know why, because from my research, and I've done a lot of research on it. And again, my friend, Dr. John Lawrence has shared a lot of research with me. I haven't yet, unless you share with me, I haven't yet seen any research that shows taking melatonin shuts down your endogenous production of melatonin, meaning there's no negative feedback loop like testosterone or other hormones, unless there is research out there. So why don't you like melatonin? What's your beef with it? Well, I... There is some research on rats that actually found that it was uh, lowering their melatonin production. But let's talk about melatonin. So melatonin is really good for falling asleep. It's really good for triggering the hormonal cascade that we want for deep sleep. But in terms of other things, it's not really that great. And there's a lot of issues with melatonin. And we talk about when to use it because I do use it sometimes. And I think it's got its place. First, a lot of people have a genetic variant, and I'm one of them. I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about it, Andrew Huberman talk about it, where we will wake up two to three hours before our normal wake-up time if we use melatonin. Now, that can be an incredible hack. So recently, I went to New York to, to see Dr. Andrew Huberman, and I had to wake up after four and a half hours. 
if I'm getting five hours or less of sleep that like I know I'm getting because I got to wake up for a flight or something, I will use a pretty, like I'll use like half a milligram uh, of melatonin because it's going to help me wake up and feel better the next day than if I don't. So again, not everybody's got the genetic variant, but those of us that do, uh, it's a great. What's the percentage? What is it like? Is it like 15% of the population less than that? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm, I'm curious about that question as well. I don't know the answer to that. So the second element of melatonin, and this is, this is, I think, where almost everybody gets it wrong is the dose. So if you look at melatonin research, your brain will produce about 10 to 80 micrograms. And a few years ago, people were starting to talk about using 350 micrograms. I tried that. I was still getting the same response. Now, we have another product coming out called Dream Optimizer. It's a spray. And it's got 18 micrograms per spray. So you can really dial in the exact dose. For me, if I'm using 50 to 60 micrograms of melatonin, it works incredibly well. I don't get that wake up effect later and any of the negative consequences. So I think in general, people's dosages are just way out of whack with what our bodies would naturally or our brains would naturally produce. And we're finding that people are just getting way better results with a much smaller dose, which I think is really the optimal dose, like 40 to 100 micrograms. And you, there's no pills that'll get you that. Like the smallest dose you'll typically find in a pill is half a milligram, which is 500 micrograms. And again, I'll still get that, that negative wake-up effect. So when do you want to use melatonin? Well, one is obviously if you're traveling, I, I went to Europe uh, last summer, and obviously it's great to help reset your clock. Typically, so let's talk about a jet lag protocol because obviously jet lag sucks. You really want to start on the plane ride. So let's say you're flying 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours overseas or to Asia. You want to calculate when you would be sleeping in where you're going and try to fall asleep on the plane at that time. And that's when you really want to use a healthy dose of sleep breakthrough, dream optimizer. You know, I'm a big fan of taking about 100 milligrams of CBD as well on the plane. My sleep stack for red eyes, and again, I go to LA a lot and I'll take the red eye back, is Dream Optimizer, Sleep Breakthrough, and if I can get it, about 100 milligrams of CBD, and I'm knocked out. And, and I get a great sleep. So two nights is typically enough, but when you wake up, that's when it's even more critical to get the light in the morning, eat a big breakfast, forget about intermittent fasting, get a big breakfast in, that'll help reset your clock and get a workout in. If you take melatonin the night before, expose yourself to light, get a big breakfast and work out, I'd say the odds you're going to feel jet lag or close to zero, like two, two days of that and you're good. The other time I use melatonin is if, again, I'm not going to get enough sleep. And another variation of that is, and we talk about this because it's a really big deal, if you wait, stay awake past your target bedtime, you will get a cortisol response. And that's what people get the second win. And I used to be addicted to that. I used to love staying up till two, three, four in the morning and working on things. And I mean, that will destroy your deep sleep because again, you're getting that cortisol response. So ideally, first strategy is have a target bedtime. And ideally, it's the same time every night. And again, sometimes you got to travel and do things and you're going to be disrupted. But you know, let's say it's midnight. So around, again, 10.30, start dimming the lights, 
cool your bedroom. Like I'll turn on the AC, I'll turn everything on. So it's like a nice, uh, like a chill, a nice box by the time I get in there and take your sleep molecules about an hour before. So an hour before my bedtime, I'm taking two capsules of magnesium breakthrough and I'm drinking my sleep breakthrough. It'll hit me about 30 minutes later. It makes me want to go to bed, which is a major struggle for me because I just like being awake. And then, you know, maybe 15 minutes later, I'm in bed and I'm passing out and that's it. Because again, I can, if I power through that and you can't, right? If you watch your binging a TV show, stimulating yourself with light, you can power through that target bedtime, get that cortisol response, and now your sleep is definitely compromised. That's a good time to use melatonin to help kind of you know, shut your brain down and, and conk yourself out. So yeah, those are the main ways that I use melatonin. Also, Dream Optimizer is awesome for people that wake up in the middle of the night and want to go back to bed. A couple of sprays will get you another round of sleep. So those are kind of the, the, the when I would use melatonin in general. Yeah, and I've used uh, your team sent me the Dream Optimizers, and I and I used it. I sprayed it underneath my tongue, and uh, I felt relaxed afterwards. It actually was great. And I've also used Sleep Breakthrough, which we'll talk about in a second, and um, it, it really improved my scores. And I want to get to that, but let's stay on the topic of melatonin. Yeah, and I see research showing that melatonin doesn't really improve sleep. I see some research saying it may improve sleep, but I also see it as an important antioxidant, right? It's very important for the mitochondria. It's one of the few antioxidants that could actually penetrate the mitochondrial membrane. I do really well personally with high doses of melatonin. When I say high doses, like I've done 200 milligrams of a melatonin suppository <laughs> where it's like a slow release and going like flooding through my bloodstream into my cells. I wouldn't do that on a long-term basis. I'm just always a big fan of cycling things, but I don't have that genetic variation and I do really well with it. So I think it's important to know who you are, you know, what's going to work for you. And if you have that genetic variation, maybe you do it the way you just shared. And I love the travel hacks as well. That's very important for anybody who travels. So I see the benefits of melatonin, but you're right. It needs to be taken the right way, the right dosage. Yeah, I think that's superhuman dose. And I have talked to Dr. Mitozan and some other people that are big advocates. Oh, you have spoken to John about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's got its place, again, for certain times and certain applications. But, you know, let's be clear, it, it would be the equivalent of injecting grams and grams of testosterone. So I think, you know, short intermittent burst, if you need it for specific protocols, it can maybe have its place. But I, I certainly would not advocate doing that on a long term basis. Yeah, definitely not long term. I don't know if I would say it's equivalent to injecting testosterone because there's no negative feedback loop for melatonin. It's 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 different. I know you said there's a study on I think you said rats, but I there's nothing on humans that shows it shuts down endogenous production. I have talked to people that have tried to get off melatonin, like they got up to like 10 milligrams. They told me it took them about six to eight weeks to kind of normalize. So. I don't know. I'd say the jury's out on whether or not there is down regulation. I mean, it is a hormone, so it is. I, I think, you know, and I think also the dose could impact how much down regulation is happening if it's happening. So, yeah. Again, I have found a research on rats. I have talked to people that have told me that it took them a while to kind of normalize and regulate. So, anyways, this where I'm at. Yeah. Same. And anecdotally, people have told me the same thing. Some people have said, you know, I've been using melatonin for three months. I try to get off and it's and now I'm having trouble sleeping. And then some people say I've been taking it and I get off of it and I feel just fine. I'm, I'm part of the latter. Like I could take the, you know, 200 milligrams seven days in a row and not take it and, and go to sleep just fine. So I think it's going to depend on the person. But to your point, 
it is a hormone. I recommend cycling it, not overdoing it, and being really responsible with it. It's just just interesting to kind of discuss this this molecule melatonin. But your product, Sleep Breakthrough, let's talk about that. I've been using it. It's it tastes pretty damn good too, so it's easy to you know consume. But what was the thought process to creating this product, and what what are some of the ingredients that you put in here? Yes, it really started six, seven years ago when I was trying to optimize my sleep. Obviously, I've tried every commercially available sleep molecule, every combination of things. And there's certain things that worked really well. There's certain things that were just consistently effective. We talked about those. And then also, I co-formulated this with Mark Effinger, Mr. Newts. He's one of the most brilliant formulators on the planet, in my opinion. And he brought a lot of things to the table that I had not considered. Now, just to talk briefly about how we formulate things, we tend to try to optimize multiple pathways simultaneously. In other words, you know, if we can combine four or five pathways, we'll get better results than just targeting one. Let's start with the main one, which is, you know, we want to give the body the precursors, which is the, the building blocks, the raw materials to produce melatonin. I think in general, it's always better to try to get your body to produce whatever the target molecule is compared to taking exogenous or external forms. And that's where, you know, it's, it's a great place to start. If that doesn't work, then you can always go to the external exogenous forms. So magnesium is a phenomenal precursor to melatonin. Again, it's a precursor to serotonin, which is a precursor to melatonin. And then one of the things, so we have a lab, we have 20 full-time biologists, scientists, and chemists doing nonstop experiments in our lab, which is at the Inter International Birch University in Sarajevo. And I'd say the most amazing thing we've seen time and time again is how impactful cofactors are. Now, I've heard of cofactors for decades. It's nothing new, but we're seeing like 50 to 300% improvements in these laboratory tests in terms of converting the target molecules into what we're trying to get it to convert to. So again, a cofactor transforms the building block, the precursor into another molecule. It basically amplifies the conversion. So P5P, which is in a really powerful supplement in general, it's a bioactive form of vitamin B6, is a great cofactor for magnesium. Again, when we formulate, we focus a lot of time and energy on cofactors. So magnesium and P5P is a great stack just by itself. We use magnesium bisglycinate, which has the best literature on sleep. And, you know, I still recommend using magnesium breakthrough. I take two capsules every night. And by the way, we're seeing some incredible synergy in the lab. We're doing red blood cell tests right now to see if we combine magnesiums, do we get more uptake in the red blood cells? And we do. So we'll be hopefully publishing that uh, later this year. We're still early in that research, but we always knew there was synergy because you feel it. I mean, if you take one magnesium versus multiple, and then when you add cofactors, it just works differently, works better. So next is minerals. We talked about magnesium, but there's some other really powerful minerals for sleep. Let's talk about calcium. Calcium is, obviously our grandmothers told us to drink a glass of warm milk. It was sound advice. Calcium will boost REM and it will help convert tryptophan, which is an amino acid, into melatonin. So calcium is another cofactor. 
Zinc is another cofactor for melatonin, and it helps calm the nervous system. And it's a very classic formulation is ZMA. If you've been around the bodybuilding world, you've heard of ZMA. So that's a really good stack. And here's the one that I did not know about that surprised me, and that is potassium. So I've been a big fan of potassium for a long time because, again, I've been keto now for almost 30 years. It's going to be 30 years in a few months. And one of the best things I ever did to improve my hydration on a ketogenic diet is adding more potassium. And most people's sodium to potassium levels are way out of whack. They're you know, basically taking massive amounts of sodium, and there's nothing wrong with that, but their potassium levels are not in alignment with that. And if you're urinating a lot, if you're going to the bathroom a lot, most likely you definitely have a sodium to potassium imbalance. And, and I, I'll go through that as well. If my sodium to potassium balance is, is off, I'll go urinate two to 300% more. But when I looked at the potassium research on brain and sleep, we found some really interesting things. So they were doing some of these experiments on mutant flies. And what they found was that sodium excites neurons, it wakes up the brain, and potassium quiets down neurons. So in the morning, it's a great strategy to mix in some salt with your coffee. I actually, I'm, I like drinking salt coffee, like black coffee with salt. And then at night, take some potassium. It really helps to quiet down the brain. It helps to slow down your heart rate. And for people that tend to wake up at night and go to the bathroom, it can help minimize that because you'll basically hold on to your water better. So potassium is a really good molecule for sleep. And again, I got to give credit to Mr. Nudes for that. That's a fantastic tip right there. Like a lot of people struggle. That's, that's part of the reason why people are not getting good sleep because they're waking up, they have to go pee. Then, you know, they're probably turning on the light, raising cortisol, and then it takes 30 to 60 minutes to wake up. So by taking potassium at night, taking this product at night, it actually could help with the ratios and you don't have to get up and pee and urinate. It could help with that. It's a fantastic tip. Yeah, and you hit a really, another really important point. Like for those of you that tend to wake up at night, and by the way, in my opinion, people that tend to wake up at night, they're just not sleeping deeply enough. Like, and I've noticed that with myself. Like if I'm in a good environment, in a good sleep environment, I will not wake up. Or if I'm traveling and I'm, I'm dealing with all these sleep disruptors, the odds I wake up go up significantly. So, so in your, if, so when you're in your environment that you have everything, you know, structured the way that you want, when you're looking at your aura ring, you don't see any whites throughout the night. It's all just blue. Or do you see some whites, but you're not really, you know, cognizant of waking up? I'm not cognizant of waking up. Okay, same thing. I'll see some whites. I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't remember waking up, but so that's just curious curiosity yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I tend to not be aware at all of waking up and just just wake up. The next one is GABA. So GABA is the molecule of chill. It's a really powerful neurotransmitter. And if you look at insomniacs, they're about thirty percent deficient in GABA. So I think there is a genetic component to having insomnia. There's some genetic elements to sleep. And by the way, I have bad genetics for sleep. It showed up when I was looking at my genes with my nutrigenomic expert. Uh, she highlighted that. And I knew that just from my father's struggle with sleep for the majority of his life. And magnesium breakthrough and sleep breakthrough have been really positively impactful for him. So for those of us that have bad genes for sleep, it's even more critical that we do all the things we're talking about. But there's a, definitely a genetic element to GABA. So supplementing with GABA can be really powerful. We tested every form of GABA on the market. I've been playing with GABA molecules for a long time. I mean, some people used to use Phenibut, which is illegal now, I believe. 
and GHB uh, that used to be sold at GNC. That's another illegal molecule. But pharma GABA is our choice. It's definitely stronger than normal GABA. And what it does, I think it's signaling through your gut to your brain that it's there, it's present, because it it will not cross the blood-brain barrier. So it has to be happening through the gut. And by the way, probiotics will produce neurotransmitters. So we invested in a half-million-dollar HPLC machine that allows us to see and measure the neurotransmitter production of probiotics. And interestingly, the best probiotic we've ever tested for GABA production specifically is P301, which is a probiotic that we sell. And it peaks about eight hours later. So if you take P301 with dinner, you'll get a nice GABA pro- spike while you're sleeping. And again, it will be huh. happening through your gut. So, so, so I've been taking P3, P3OM in the morning. So I'm going to change that up and do it at dinner is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, take that dinner. And obviously okay. it's proteolytic. And there's only two probiotics we ever tested that have protein digesting capabilities. P3OM is one of them. So it's a really unique probiotic in a lot of ways and very powerful. Yeah, GABA is really powerful. You'll feel it pretty quickly. Like if you ingest GABA, typically 20, 30 minutes later, you'll feel your brain chill. And anything that relaxes your nervous system, anything that slows down your brain waves is going to help you sleep better. The other thing that GABA does, it increases alpha brain waves. So we mentioned earlier that hyperactive beta brain waves is really detrimental to sleep. And you see that in insomniacs. They tend to have hyperactive beta brain waves. They cannot slow down their brain waves. So from a sleep perspective, your brain waves go from beta down to alpha, which is kind of calm but alert, heart-centeredness, down to theta, which is a great state to be in. And everybody hits theta twice a day. Once when they're falling asleep and you're kind of aware, it's called hypnagogic. And then once when they wake up in the morning, which is called hypnopompic. And by the way, I love being in a theta brainwave state. It's a great place to to meditate and to, to do all kinds of fun things. But a lot of people just can't downshift. They're basically kind of trapped in this beta brainwave state. So when they take molecules like GABA, it can help boost alpha and help reduce beta brainwave activity. The other molecule that helps with that is L-theanine. So L-theanine has probably been the supplement I've used the most consistently for sleep for the last six, seven years. I like using about 200 milligrams. And L-theanine is an amino acid derived from green tea. And that's why a lot of people prefer green tea or yerba mate over coffee. It helps extend the effects of caffeine. And it acts like a compressor where you don't get the jitteriness because, again, it's relaxing the nervous system. And that's a great strategy in general for anybody that wants to use stimulants. If you use a stimulant in combination with something that relaxes the nervous system, you end up feeling calm but alert. And, you know, magnesium works well for that. L-theanine works well for that. Adaptogens can work well for that. So I'm a big fan of that strategy of using a stimulant in combination with a nervous system relaxer. And yeah, L-theanine is, you know, it works every time. It's really a phenomenal supplement in general. And I've been a big, big fan. The last one is glycine. So glycine is probably one of the most powerful amino acids for health in general. I think almost everyone's deficient. Probably 10 to 20 grams of glycine a day is the optimal dose. If you take three grams before bed, there's some really interesting effects. One is that it will help improve sleep quality. It will help 
reduce sleepiness and fatigue the next day, even if you did not sleep enough. So you know, when we were formulating sleep breakthrough, and by the way, we did 55 prototypes to get to the final version. And we're already working on version 2.0. Like we just never stop trying to iterate on things. But you know, there's a lot of molecules that made you feel groggy in the morning. And we did not want that. We really wanted to feel good and refreshed in the morning. And I think glycine was the best addition in that regard. Also will help lower body temperature. So it actually helps push blood out to extremities which is awesome. And it will promote faster sleep onset and improve REM. So yeah, glycine is amazing. It helps with collagen production and all kinds of detoxifying pathways. So yeah, glycine was the last molecule. And flavoring wise, we just use blue spirulina, some microdoses of some organic berry extract and some stevia and some silica. We use some bamboo silica extract, which is another mineral that's in there, which is great for hair and, and nails. So literally everything in there is an amino acid, a mineral, or a plant. There's nothing else in there. That's I love the, the science and the research and the thought process behind developing this product. And another benefit to glycine, especially people in the keto carnivore space, they're eating a lot of muscle meat, right? So they're getting a lot of methionine. So balancing out that methionine glycine ratio is so important for methylation purposes. So another benefit there. I remember your team sent me a bottle of a sleep breakthrough before I even heard about it or knew you were developing this. They sent it to me as a surprise back in November, I think it was a few months ago. It didn't have- Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called Good Idea, and it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N, at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. The ingredients didn't have, so I'm like, what is this blue powder? Just that sleep breakthrough. And I was about to go on a trip to Utah to speak at uh, Dr. Pompa's conference. So I took it with me. And then I took it uh, you know, at the hotel. And then I woke up the next morning, I looked at my scores. I'm like, oh, interesting. I, I saw like a 10% increase in deep and REM. And I was traveling, which is rare because my scores typically drop. Then I took it the following night in Utah. And it also showed the same thing. So I was having dinner with a few of the doctors at the conference. And I'm like, you know, Bioptimizer just sent me this, this bottle. I don't know what it is. It's blue powder, but man, it's working. <laughs> and then now to kind of hear about the science, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, now let me ask you this. Should we use this in a cyclical fashion? What's the best way to use this product? Yeah, so something I've noticed, again, I've been tracking my sleep since the ZO came out. I think that's like 10 years ago. And something I've seen is that the body tends to, and I'm just generalizing here, but it just seems to be a pattern where your body will either try to emphasize deep sleep or REM sleep. Now, both are happening all the time. But to give you some examples, 
let's say you did squats or deadlifts or some form of really strenuous physical exercise, you'll tend to see that your body might get a little more deep and maybe a little bit less REM, and you might not even be aware. And an important thing with REM is there's levels of REM. So the Oura Ring and all of these sleep trackers are really good at seeing the, the total amount of deep and REM, but it's only about 60% accurate at, at truly assessing kind of the quality of the deep or the amount of deep and the amount of REM. So take these with a grain of salt. I'm a big fan of them, but the only way you can get accurate sleep tracking data is if you're wearing an electrode on your brain, because the only way. And unfortunately, there's no more commercially available devices that I'm aware of. The Dream, D-R-E-E-M, used to be one of them, but they've gone to research only now. So the other thing I noticed was if I'm doing like five, six hours of neurofeedback or really pushing my brain, I tend to get more REM. Like my dreams are more vivid and it makes sense because your brain needs more recovery when you're pushing it that, that hard, that fast. So one of the things I've kind of done to kind of build my own personal sleep system, if you will, is one, mag breakthrough every night. That's a given. Sleep breakthrough, I'm using almost every night. Like I've been using it almost every night now for a year since we've been starting to formulate it. The one thing that I'm cycling in and out is Dream Optimizer because it will crank the amount and intensity of REM significantly. It has California poppy seed, 5-HTP, some tryptophan. And again, I was never able to make tryptophan and 5-HTP work by ingesting it nor melatonin, but somehow when you're taking it in these smaller dosages and you're spraying it in the mouth, it works really, really well. And, you know, almost across the board, people are reporting a lot more intense dreaming, intense, vivid, lucid dreams, which is great. And I don't think you want that every night. So I'm using Dream Optimizer maybe three nights a week. And again, if I'm traveling, I'm using it. So I don't recommend using Dream Optimizer every night, but Sleep Breakthrough, I've been using it almost every night and it, it's working consistently. I have not noticed any issues. So again, experiment. The other cool thing about Sleep Breakthrough is that you can play around with the dose. Some people are getting better results with like one scoop, which is about four grams, and the full dose is two scoops. So play around with the dosage because the dose creates the effect with all supplements and drugs and, and things. Yeah. So try to find the right dose for your brain and body. Yeah. And there's a question that somebody's going to ask is, does it break your fast, right? If somebody's, you know, done eating at 6 p.m., they take sleep breakthrough at 10 p.m., does that break your fast? Well, let's talk about autophagy because I think one of the things that's a little bit ridiculous is the paranoia around autophagy. You know, autophagy is this continuum, right? Like, you know, you don't go from zero autophagy to 100% autophagy when you hit the 16-hour mark. Yeah. It's, it's increasing. It's like a dimmer switch. And by the way, I am on day three of a fast right now. So Nice. How long you, are you going? I don't know. I, I, I might go five. Let's see. Um, That's I the magic three, for five days. I'm feeling really good. So. But I'm not paranoid about autophagy. For an example, like if you do cardiovascular activity, your autophagy goes up massively. And, you know, if you're taking a few grams of amino acids, your body's going to scorch that very rapidly. And again, it might wiggle you a little bit uh, lower on the autophagy scale than you're back to where you were. And then you keep progressing. And obviously, autophagy is happening while we're sleeping. So, 
yeah, I am not paranoid about that. I, I'll even use nootropics while I'm fasting. I'm, I'm drinking nootropics as we speak from Nootropia. I'm drinking Nectar X. And yeah, I mean, a few grams of amino acids in the grand scheme of autophagy is, is meaningless. Yeah, especially when you think about, you know, all right, maybe you take sleep breakthrough, it has amino acids, and maybe you, you get a little bit less autophagy at that moment for the hour, whatever it is, maybe. But then if you think about the deeper sleep you're going to get, it's actually going to enhance probably autophagy throughout the sleep. So you're taking like maybe half a step back to get it three steps forward. So if you're concerned about that, there you go. There, you know, made it clear. It's okay to have, and I and I have it at night, even though I'm in a fasted state. I'm not worried about it too. So if my audience keto campers, for those watching on YouTube or those listening on the podcast, if you want to get this product and give it a shot, it is sleepbreakthrough.com/slash/keto-camp. Remember, camp is spelled with the K. And uh, they gave us an awesome coupon code, Matt and the team. Keto Camp 10 to get 10% off their bottle of sleep breakthrough. And you let us know if you're tracking your sleep with an aura ring or a whoop band or whatever it is. Like give us feedback if you if you notice a difference. I think you will. So sleepbreakthrough.com slash keto camp, keto camp one zero at checkout. We're gonna drop that link down below. Anything else you want to share about the products before we move on here? No, all of our products, we have the best guarantee in the business. It's a 365-day unquestionable money-back guarantee. So for any reason it doesn't work for you, just Hit our customer support team, which will respond to you typically in 20 or 30 minutes, and we'll give you all your money back to questions asked. Boom. There you go. Last question for you, Matt, is another supplement that we didn't talk about today, but it's actually, I believe, the most powerful supplement in the world, and it's vitamin G gratitude. So my question for you is, what are you grateful for today? My daughter. So I have a nine-month-old daughter. It was a long journey to bring her to our lives. And yeah, it's just been amazing. I, I think from a health perspective, oxytocin is one of the most powerful molecules, maybe the most powerful. Like if you look at all the longevity data on the impact of having friends and having deep relationships and having pets, the one common denominator that's happening with all these things is you're getting more oxytocin. So I think oxytocin is amazing. And I'll tell you right now, there's no oxytocin machine like a baby hanging out with her. I just feel my nervous system overwhelmed with oxytocin and filled with gratitude. So yeah, that's definitely, I think, number one on the list right now, for sure. That's beautiful. Congratulations. That's uh, that's wonderful. Uh, I, oxytocin is where it's at, for sure, especially for postmenopausal women. You really want oxytocin. Matt, where is the best place for the keto campers to go check you out? Yeah. I mean, Bob Optimizers is my dharma. It's my life's mission. You could put $10 billion in my bank account. I'm just accelerating timelines. So yeah, I mean, my life's work is really happening through Bob Optimizers. You can check us out. Um, we're really just getting warmed up. I think we have 35 products in the pipeline. Wow. I have all kinds of amazing things coming out this year from female-focused products to male enhancement uh, products coming out, which we're really excited about. We have an adaptogen formula. By the way, we got a, pro a keto version a protein breakthrough coming out. Uh, really excited about that. So working on on the on the flavoring. So that'll be a good good option for your audience. We have new versions of all of our digestive products. We've rebuilt them from scratch. And by the way, if you're if you're on a ketogenic diet and you're not taking Capex, I can absolutely say that you're playing yourself. The impact on your ability to break down fats into essential fatty acids, it's it's off the charts. And we've made it significantly stronger. So that's coming out this summer. Yeah, and all kinds of other fun things. So stay tuned. 
That's exciting. Yeah, definitely. We talk about Capex all the time. I share that with my students. So if you're not on Capex and you're doing keto and you probably are because you're listening to this show, get on Capex, add it to the cart with the sleep breakthrough and any other of the products that uh, you uh, see on the website. Matt, I have vitamin G gratitude for you and Wade and the entire team. Thanks for doing all the research and spending all the money and getting all the scientists and uh, making it easy for us biohackers who could just take these products and thrive. So I am grateful. Uh, I appreciate you. I can't wait to see you at KetoCon and I look forward to more collaborations, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it, Keto Camper. You now understand how to get the best night of sleep ever. Implement the action steps that we outlined. And I know starting tonight, you'll see better sleep in the morning. You're going to feel more refreshed. If you want to get your hands on Sleep Breakthrough, the product we discussed, their new product that I've been using and loving, head over to sleepbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp. Camp is spelled with the K. And the coupon code is ketocamp10 for 10% off. We're going to also drop a link down below along with the coupon code. Check that out in the podcast notes. Go check out Matt Gallant's social media and all the references and resources and timestamps can be found in the podcast notes down below. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview and all interviews that could be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash keto camp. We put out a lot of amazing content on our YouTube channel. So go subscribe. If you're not subscribed yet, youtube.com slash keto camp. Please share this with a friend, maybe somebody you know, who's struggling with sleep. I know this episode can make a big difference for them. If this was valuable to you and you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and a review. I want to thank you so much for spending part of your day with Matt and myself. I love and I appreciate you, Keto Camper. I got a lot of vitamin G gratitude for you. And hey, I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.